When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is the Ben Point Paradox, and with me is... Wally East. (laughs) (laughs) I flipped it on you. (laughs) I went the opposite direction. (laughs) (laughs) That's a true reverse flash there. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Hunter Solomon. (laughs) The the writers never thought about this shit. (laughs) Wally East... My favorite response to Reverse Flash being the Flash's villain is someone being like, "Wait, so does he run backwards?" <laughs> should well, if they want if they want alliteration, maybe they should go Edgar East or something. Now that uh, I think yeah, about it, yeah, maybe that'd be. Oh my god, dude, Eobard Thawne, man, what a name! By the I way, know. That's, I mean, I remember it. I, they, you know, job well done in getting mm-hmm. me to remember a weird name. Uh, but hey, anyway, we need something uh, futuristic. Yeah, yeah, Eobard. <laughs> So, we've got a Flash movie coming out, which is really a Batman Flash team-up movie, plus an alternate universe Supergirl, but it's Batman and Flash. I got so. a co-worker that's like, what, you see that Batman movie that's coming out? You mean the Flash? <laughs> nah, man, the Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so, probably for a lot of our viewers, too, it's a Batman movie. But, with this upcoming movie, it did get me wondering, you know, we've talked before about the times that Batman and Superman have teamed up or fought. We've talked about, you know, the Justice League forming, but there's not a lot out there on specifically Batman and the Flash teaming up. And all iterations of Flash, too, not just the Barry Allen version. So, Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Know, yes. Uh, you know, we have this whole range of Superman and Batman as, like, they're best friends, they're enemies, they're frenemies, but, like, what's the dynamic with Batman and Flash? That's what I was interested in, uh, which is how this episode came about, because I part of it was just me trying to read stuff just to see... And then kind of evolved into its own episode when I saw what some of the stories were. So, uh, other than the Justice League cartoon, I remember I think mm-hmm. it was in a Jeff Johns Justice League run or something, where, um, uh, Bear, I guess it was Barry, right? Barry's like, mm-hmm. "Well, can we go home now?" And then, like, Batman's response was like, "If you think this is a job, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like, it's it's a it was a really good exchange because it showed that." how they viewed their own superhero ship in a mm-hmm. sense, I thought. And this is Jeff John's take, I think. Anyway, but, uh, you know, he doesn't see it as a job, right? This is a fucking crusade. Yeah. This is beyond a job, uh, whereas Barry's a little bit less serious about everything. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll learn more, won't we, Ben? Uh, yes, but uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I don't have that specific thing in there, so yeah. already that's our first point. Is, okay. uh, Sorry Jeff to jump Jones, the right. gun. That wasn't a real point, man. You got the real points. I'm just saying, I'm spewing bullshit. Well, there is some part of it, too, where I'm like, where does the dynamic of Batman being kind of a mentor to Flash come from? Because that feels like that is a more modern like addition to stuff. That doesn't feel like that's something that was like in there from the beginning. 
Um, so I, I went through right. and tried to find what I think might be the first instance of that. But you there's know. probably a little something to do with them both being scientists, right? Even though mm-hmm. Barry's a lot more happy-go-lucky there, he can Batman can kind of talk with him about on the on a de- on a detective level in a yeah. way that he can't really do. Well, I guess Superman does have his. Um, you know, Clark has the reporter thing, and that's similar in a way. But reporter's yeah, but... not as scientific as yeah, what Clark's Bats and Flash lab. are doing. Yeah, Clark's exactly. not a lot, lot less than a lab. Yeah, I guess there's lab parts of the fortress, but is they don't focus on that quite as much. Yeah, yeah. Like I imagine it's kind of similar to how, like in the first Avengers movie, where uh, Banner meets Tony Stark, and they're both spewing the scientific stuff, and Stark's just like, finally, someone who speaks English, <laughs> like someone who like speaks his <laughs> yes, language. I love Science that stuff. <laughs> I love, I love those dynamics, man. I mean, that's why we, yeah. that's why people are into this kind of thing, right? I yeah. mean, even though Doctor Strange is on a different, isn't magic and not science, but they have the same ego. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark and 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 the Sorcerer Supreme yeah. have the same. They have the same fucking ego, so it's kind of like doesn't. I don't know. They're similar in that way, and you yeah. know, I love. Yeah, I love seeing each dynamic. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's that's definitely a powerful thing that you've brought up. Where like they're both detectives. Like a lot of people kind of forget. Like the Flash is a cop. He works for the cops. He's a police scientist. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, he's a CSI. So like they they've got that dynamic where they can like spout about all sorts of. You know, Flash is the one that Bruce could probably spend a good half hour talking about the intricacies of fingerprinting and DNA analysis <laughs> and all that stuff. You know that he probably isn't going to be talking to that much with with Clark about or Diana. Uh, so the, there's that aspect, and there's also you know when you add in the Jeff Johns revision that Barry's mom was murdered, you got the addition too of like they both lost their mothers to crime, uh, yes. and I'm sure Bruce of all people, and we'll probably see this in this Flash movie will understand the temptation of trying to go back and, and trying to bring your parents back. So right, right. he, of all people, should relate to that. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, in the lead-up to the Flash film, we are covering the major times that Batman and Flash have teamed up. Obviously, most of the time, that's in some sort of Justice League thing. We won't cover a ton of this Justice League-specific stories, just sort of the major milestones, like the first time that the Justice League teamed up. But um, I'm trying to keep this a little bit more to just... Flash and Batman, just to see, like, okay, what is their dynamic? What is their thing going on? Since we already kind of know Batman and Superman. So right, right. let's have fun with it. So the first, cool. the first time we see Batman and Flash together is actually the first time that we saw Batman and Superman together. It's all in the same panel. Now, oh, wow. a bit of a cheat, because this is not the Flash that a lot of us uh, you know, the most famous Flash. This is the original Jay Garrick Flash. Good old bull on his head. <laughs> the wings. But, it, but, you know, it's silly. It's still, but yeah, but but <laughs> this is like the first panel with Superman as well. Yeah. So that does show that his history goes as far back as Superman's does, which is, mm-hmm. that's, that, that that does say something. Yeah, yeah. So this is 1941's All-Star number seven. Uh, and all three of them are in the same panel because at this time there was no Justice League, the very first superhero team before the Justice League of America, before the Avengers, all that, was the Justice Society of America. Batman and Superman were part of that, but they were, you know, such big-time heroes that they were, you know, considered honorary members. They weren't really in every issue of JSA compared to, you know, Hawkman, The Flash, and Dr. Fate, and all the, like, old-school Golden Age heroes. Uh, So here, they're they're kind of just in this panel, helping out with... uh, 
basically donating money to orphans during wartime. So they team up for a worthy cause. It's not like a let's punch the villain in the face type of thing, but it is them teaming up. So <laughs> that's cool. It's yeah. the first time. Uh, now, moving forward into the Silver Age, uh, the Flash is now Barry Allen, and we see you know him and the Dark Knight team up for the first time with the other heroes in the first Justice League storyline against Starro in the Brave and the Bold number 28, Starro the Conqueror, the very first appearance of the Justice League of America. So there we go. I, I think this is the first time on the page where Batman and Flash sort of share the same space. Uh, so again, like early Justice League stuff, eventually they would distinguish that the Justice Society of America was part of Earth 2 with the Earth 2 Batman teaming up with the Jay Garrick Flash. And then the Justice League of America was part of Earth 1 where the Earth 1 Batman teamed up with the Barry Allen Flash. So... You know, we've pretty much covered the teams, but what about the first solo team-up where it's just Batman and just the Flash? The earliest I could find is 1969. So we're moving forward here. The nice. Brave and the Bold, number 81. But Bork can hurt you. You can't hurt Bork, it says, but Bork can hurt you, which is the name of the, the title of the story. <laughs> so <laughs> Bork. So for, six, for 1969, yeah. this is kind of a modern-ish looking cover. I don't know. It looks more Neil modern. Adams. Than... Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. This is Neil Adams before... This is early Neil Adams' work before he teams up with Denny O'Neill, before Rosal Ghoul and stuff. Did you feel this way as well seeing this cover or no? Yeah, it surprised me actually that this was 1969 because I, I, I take a look at this and at least from the bottom down because it's Neil Adams, I'm just like, oh, this is, must be like 1972 or something. But like, if you look at the logos, it feels like the Batman logo feels 1960s-ish doesn't feel 1970s yeah the only i mean not not to belabor the point too much and stay on this cover forever but but <laughs> like the green background and the and the logos are the are the only thing that gives it away really mm-hmm. like the rest of it could be even even up to the 90s probably yeah yeah I mean, kind I mean, of sort of i don't know shows how young neil adams i mean not neil uh, yeah young neil adams sorry at first i thought i accidentally said dennis o'neill uh it's a little confusing with the two neils but yeah neil adams does the art he's ahead of his time on this cover, and he does the art in the issue itself. Uh, so he's a big part of this. Uh, inks by Dick Giordano and Vince Coletta. But the the writer on this and many of the Brave and the Bold stories is Bob Haney, who is, we haven't really covered him before. He's going to be one of the crazier comic writers we've encountered. This is the man <laughs> who, he co-created the Teen Titans, the original Teen Titans, and several other characters. But his Batman stuff in the Brave and the Bold, I don't know what crack he was smoking we need it. It is. I, <laughs> he gonna, likes to get wacky with it. He's he's half the reason why we're making this a whole episode. <laughs> is because oh, of, I love it. Okay, because <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, like sure, there's Flashpoint, but like, what other stuff is there? And then I got to his stories. I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> we need to cover wait, this. Wait, are you telling me there's other Flash stories other than Flashpoint? <laughs> I've only heard one story. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Hollywood, apparently. <laughs> There's only the one, right? Yeah. <laughs> 70 years of telling the same one over and over. <laughs> it's just always him about saving his mother. Yeah, so uh, he, the oh, villain man. here is Bork, as you can see. and uh, Bork and Bindi. <laughs> his, his name is Carl Bork, and Bork randomly gets powers that make him invulnerable in Gotham City. Batman is not able to hurt Bork, but Bork can hurt him, as it says in the title. So <laughs> Batman's like, I don't know how to deal with this. So he needs to figure out how did Bork get these powers. He needs somebody to help him. Quote, a leg man with detective brains. Naturally, he means the Flash. 
So, okay, so on their first team up, he's, he's, they're already talking about the detective part. Yeah. Being yeah, what he likes about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, at this point, I, I imagine they've known each other well in teaming up with all the Justice League stuff. It's a, This is the first time right, that I right, found, right. at least, that it's just like, okay, all I need is Barrett. I don't need the whole Justice League to fight this guy. Right. It's, it's bad enough as it is that I have a hard time with a guy named Bork. So he Bork. discovers... <laughs> yeah, it's not... Uh, <laughs> he didn't last too long, although we'll probably see a reboot of him at some point. So. There is a re- yeah, there's a reboot of him later. but uh, Oh, there is, okay. Uh, not one that I found with a, a Batman team-up, at least. But here, uh, the Flash investigates, finds that Bork got his powers from a strange wooden statue that Bork encountered during his travels abroad. So <laughs> the Flash is like, naturally, I gotta destroy the statue, and when I destroy the statue, uh, I'm going, you know, he's gonna lose his powers. So the Flash decides that the only way to destroy the statue is to run into outer space and bring the statue straight through the sun. Yes, the Flash can go through the sun in this comic. And the then, logic just checks out, do you know? It's and fine. Then he, as we can see here, he runs across an asteroid belt to go back home. So, <laughs> he has no easy, fucking easy. like breather. Nothing. No, his super speed gives him the aura to protect himself in, this, in space and in the sun. He you literally know, goes through the sun with this thing. You know what, though? I'm going to try to break this down for a little bit. I wonder if, like, he can hold his in one breath. He can hold Ooh, because he's so fast. And so fairly, fast, yeah, right. But then time is different for him too. So is he breathing more in his own sense of time, or actually, I'm fucking confused now. But I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah, but then going also, forward. how does the super speed work in a place that has no gravity? We don't know what Haney Haney is smoking at this point. He's just like, I need a way to (laughs) to destroy this statue. Does he blow it up? Nah, he throws it into the sun. Did did they have the idea of the Speed Force this time? Does that pretty much go back to the beginning of Flash? Speed Force is not formally introduced until the Wally West era. Okay, so that's actually relatively recent. Yeah, it's not called the Speed Force. It's just like, yeah, he just randomly got some speed from some chemicals and lightning, and now he's super speed. So I could, you could sort of weave a tale at this point, you know, if you wrote it today, that the Speed Force protects him from the vacuum yeah. of space. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's but, the easiest thing. But at this point in the comics, I guess it was, uh, they. I don't know, maybe they, they just yeah. weren't thinking that far. But, you know, whatever, dude. It's a guy in a fucking, you know, red suit running yeah. real fast. So I'm just, we're going to allow it. Yeah, so uh, Flash succeeds. Bork is vulnerable. Batman defeats him. End of story. This is probably the tamest out of the Bob Haney Brave and the Bold stories, by the way. With the this is the tamest thing. one. This is the tamest one, I thought. Him running through the fucking sun. <laughs> yes. Is the, t- is the tamest. It's going to get crazier from here. So, My God, man. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, don't know what this guy was smoking, but we need it. So the Brave and the Bold <laughs> number 99. Uh, the man who murdered the past. We have Batman kind of looking like Two-Face here on the cover where part of him is getting, part of him is basically getting possessed in this point, and, and Barry's Flash is in the background. Um, holding a gun, I just realized, when looking at this. Oh, yeah, and it says, yeah. kill me, too. Batman's saying, kill me to him. Yeah. Um, and then the other side of him is trying to tell him that, like, no, Batman's lying and stuff. So, again, this is Bob Haney, again, uh, doing the writing, art by Bob Brown and Nick Cardi. Uh, in this story, Batman gets possessed by the ghost of a pirate. Shit, you not. <laughs> That's the story. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! The ghost of a pirate. So with that, this is the face of him going. Arr. Is yes. that what that is? Arr, matey. So <laughs> he 
Yeah, uh, let's go to the next part where he says, Oh, amigo, some rum. My thirst, she is great. <laughs> so this, so you had to read this issue? Uh, yes, I did. It's amazing. What would you... This is Okay, so it actually is good. All right. It, it is good from just how insane this is. So okay, okay. Batman goes to the summer home of his parents, where their ashes are kept, because apparently in this continuity or in this version... The Waynes were cremated, you know, because the tombstones on the graves is such a, it's just a famous image, you know, with yeah. um, Bruce or Batman visiting it and the whole scene in Mask of the Phantasm where he says, you know, I didn't count on being happy. Like, that's that's iconic. But this is before all, <laughs> before Mask of the Phantasm and stuff. And even though they oh, had yeah. seen the graves of the Waynes beforehand and the Bill Finger stuff, Haney's just like, fuck it. <laughs> They're cremated in this. They're in an urn in the summer home. So the, uh, the, the, the graves are a formality, really. Yeah. They're... They're not yes. really there. Yeah, so yeah, th- that could be the, the explanation here. So uh, while he's at the summer home, Batman gets randomly possessed by a Portuguese harpooner, this pirate named Old Manuel, which is what we see here. That's why he says, <laughs> oh, amigo, uh, on here when he slams his fist on the bar. <laughs> it's not just a pirate. He's he's possessed by a fucking Portuguese pirate? Specifically, yes, he's specifically identified as a Portuguese pirate. You in know what? This, uh, in the story, at least there's specific. I don't know. I, I admire that on a certain level. Yeah. Uh, so when possessed, Batman does put on the voice and the accent, and walks like he's got a wooden leg. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, great, he gets in trouble because the ghost of Manuel possesses him to do all sorts of shit around the town to the point where he gets arrested and Batman ends up on trial, where his only defense is that it wasn't him. It was. <laughs> It was the pirate taking him over. <laughs> so he gets uh, he gets bailed out by someone who just happens to be in town, Barry Allen, the Flash, being just like, Bruce, what's up with this? And uh, during Barry's investigation, he finds that some spirit world is connected to the Wayne Summer home. That's what's causing Batman to be possessed. And so his big advice to Batman is you got to stay in costume, even sleep in your costume, because if Bruce Wayne is found to be possessed by old Manuel, people will deduce your secret identity, which makes the, sense. The logic <laughs> is solid. <laughs> That's so, the part they focus on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're skipping over the part that you're being possessed by a pirate. What really yeah. matters here, Bruce, is that you got to sleep in your costume. Wait, Bruce Wayne is a Portuguese pirate. Batman was a Portuguese pirate. If this is not adapted in the Muschietti movie, they fail. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we need yeah. to see Keaton do this. So, uh, Batman is then convinced in the story that the spirits of his dead parents are trying to communicate him, communicate with him from beyond the grave, and finds a journal from Doctor Thomas Wayne, where Wayne was looking for ways to come back to life after death. So. Uh, Bruce decides that, you know what, I'm going to let this pirate possess me so that I can bring back my dead parents. Wow, okay. Uh, And it's the Flash who has to be the voice of reason to talk him out of this. I love this panel here. Uh, I can read off Barry and you can be Batman okay. on this one because I love this. And so Barry's like, you're becoming an obsessed fanatic and tempting fate with who knows what dangerous consequences. Stop it, Barry. I'm sure Dad's experiment won't backfire. Now please... Let me study his notebook. <laughs> it seems weird in these days to be to see like flashes of the voice of reason to Batman, and Batman's like, "Please let me read." But that's <laughs> that's what we got here in this panel again. Bob Haney. This is this is half the reason why we're doing this episode. It's just it's hilarious. So yes, uh, 
together, the Flash picks up Batman and vibrates him into the spirit realm where they see the ghost of Old Manuel. I see no problem with this so yes, far. He's planning to bring the dead back to life, including Bruce Wayne's parents. And so Batman's like, well, I have to do this because I have to bring my parents back. But he doesn't know that in bringing his parents back, he will also bring back Old Manuel and a whole army of the dead back to life. Okay. So uh, it is up to Barry to stop him. The way to stop him just happens to be in the urn that contains the Wayne's ashes. There's a black statue inside of it that uh, the Flash once again decides to throw into space. He does not go to space this time. He throws it into space, which I guess means he has some sort of superpowered throw. But uh, he throws the statue the into super space. Super speed of his hand. I guess so. Is yeah. enough to throw it in, man. You know, yes. make, that makes sense. Yeah, the logic is sound for this. So, logic is sound. Uh, the dead are cut off from coming back, and Batman feels guilty over what happened, but says at the end that uh, he is no longer haunted by his orphaned childhood. Uh, killing my past by finally putting the ghosts of my parents to rest has freed me. So I guess he's no longer haunted by the trauma at the end of the story. <laughs> so <laughs> The last Batman tale. <laughs> All he had to do was go to the summer home, get possessed by a pirate, try to bring his parents back, get talked out of it by the Flash, uh, and uh, have the Flash save the day in this. Alan but, Moore tried to write the, bat- the, the last Batman story with the killing joke. He didn't realize it had already been written. By Bob Haney, yeah. Yep. And he beat him to the punch, and it was the Flash who was there all along to help him out. So, all right. Portuguese Haney. pirate ghosts. I had no idea. I had please. no idea. Alan Moore. So, all right. Brave and the Bold, 125, 1976. We got this tiger trying to eat the Flash uh, at this point with Batman coming in for the rescue. Uh, this is Talky Tawny here or what? <laughs> it's, it's just a regular trained tiger but yeah okay. it's called uh streets of poison story once again by bob haney our favorite in this episode art by jim aparo uh there's no supernatural shit in this one uh it's just one of the most complicated detective stories i've ever read in detective comics uh so oh batman God. okay and the flash are investigating this dude who owns the tiger his name is general lin chan who is a heavy drug runner and so they got to investigate the quote-unquote Chan connection, as in, like, the French connection. Get it? So, okay. Uh, Bruce is Wayne, it opium? Opium? I think so, yeah, from what okay. I remember. So Bruce Wayne goes to represent the U.S. government. Why they send him, out of all people, I don't know. But they send Bruce Wayne to pay off Chan to destroy his own crop of drugs so that they can stop all this stuff. But when Chan destroys the drugs... Bruce sends the Flash around on super speed to inspect the crops that are being burned, only to find that, nope, it's not opium, it's just harmless crops. Chan is pretending to destroy them just to, you know, get paid by the government and satisfy them, but really he's planning to continue his whole drug trade. So Batman and the Flash have to go in and stop him. So, again, no supernatural shit, no voodoo statue thing that Flash has to throw into the sun. It's it's Batman and Flash versus drug dealers uh, in this. But... Shit does go wild because they find a missing woman named Amy Stimson. And then they meet Amy Stimson again. There are two Amys. Why is this? Well, one Amy is a reform one Amy is a reformed criminal who gets plastic surgery that happens to look like the real Amy. And the real Amy turns out to be in on the drug plot with the general, even though the general is making it look like he's holding her hostage. This is Why is she trying to look like the other one? It, it turns out to be a big ass coincidence. <laughs> What? 
yeah <laughs> she literally goes like i want you to make my face look like and then she looks at some photos and she's like this one not knowing that that's an actual celebrity who's been missing for a while named amy Stimson. so she just thought this was like what beauty was like and she yeah wanted to get that surgery and then boom she looks like someone else exactly. and it happens to be mixed up with all these hijinks Yes, and so Batman and okay. the Flash need the fake Amy's help in order to stop the real Amy and General Chan. Uh, also, I'm Flash already, punches a tiger. I'm already lost, bro. I mean, Flash punches a tiger. <laughs> uh, you, you got me. You pulled me back in. <laughs> there we go. No way, pussycat. <laughs> PETA canceled this comic a long time ago. So yeah, the, we're looking at this panel here where Flash punches the tiger, and, and as, as Andrew read off, Flash says, no way, pussycat, as he punches the tiger in the face. <laughs> So, yes. Yep. <laughs> Bob Haney, everybody. <laughs> we love it. Uh, this guy's nuts, huh? <laughs> so let's let's take a quick break away from Haney, though. We do have a story in Detective Comics written by one of our special guests, Michael Uslan. So, oh, uh, shit. Detective Comics 462. This is what he co-wrote with Bob Rosakis, art by Ernie Chan and Frank McLaughlin. It is a three-parter. And what's interesting here is that Uslan himself... This is on record. He said this before, so I can quote it. He is not a huge fan of stories where Batman is kind of integrated with other heroes or other DC heroes in the universe, stating how, you know, the DC universe was not originally created to be, you know, an inclusive universe. It was kind of just like separate superheroes that they eventually were just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just put them all together, as opposed to Marvel, where it was kind of built like that from the beginning. Yeah, However, a, it, it is a problem at times, and I'm sure mm-hmm. they've addressed this before, but it's just like, why isn't Superman just locked up the Joker? You know, You're like right. it's just like a f- lot of things like that in the in the universe. And I'm sure people comment below where they've actually. Yeah, please comment below. I'd like to know more about how they've handled that in the past. Yeah, I mean, that's always the problem, I think, with in you know an expanding universe where they know other heroes, where it's just like, okay, well, we have we certainly have an easy way to do this, to, to solve all our problems. So I think sometimes they write some way where it's like, hey, we made an agreement that like we can't step in on other people's issues unless we get asked or something like that. Like, just to, just to write some explanation for it, even though, you know, you would think, hey, that, that, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, if you, your whole objective is for you to, to stop the Joker's plot, you'd kind of want as many people on board as possible to prevent lives from being shattered I mean, and killed. Maybe it's because they, Batman, like, I guess it depends on the run, but right. Batman's a little bit older and has already dealt with the Joker completely by the time Superman is around you know before he's mm-hmm. around you know maybe that's an explanation that's the only one i can think of at the moment but something like that yeah but you know but like in justice comics you know one of the top selling comics <laughs> in dc right now mm-hmm. he, he puts his fucking fist through his goddamn torso <laughs> so, <laughs> that solves the problem superman straight up kills the fuck out of joker in that i think right so yeah. You know, they have a good old time with that one. But uh, anyway, we're, we're talking about Batman and the Flash. Sorry. Yeah. And so despite Uslan's feelings about stuff, because he's, he's even told me um, years ago, not not during our podcast episode, but years back when um, I was interviewing her, him for Batman Online, he was just like, it didn't really make sense for him to see Batman team up with the Martian Manhunter, uh, you know, but he still has the Flash in his Detective Comics issue. So he was still a fan of that crossover, probably because, like we've talked about, like Flash's powers more scientific. 
there was no speed force at this time so it was kind of just like a science just a very you know oh he just got it from some chemicals and some lightning and he's another criminal investigator so it kind of makes sense that he'd be crossing over in a detective comic type of thing so i could see the reasoning for it or it could have just been editorial telling him to, to throw the flash in uh, at that point but Oh, yeah, uh, it's like Julie Schwartz or whatever who was at this yeah, time. Yeah, just being just like, yeah, like we got to have a hero in there. Just yeah, can you put the fucking bowl head in there? He doesn't look <laughs> that anymore. Oh, well, the fucking red guy. This guy, I just so, feel like Julie Schwartz had a Carmine Infantino, had a big-ass cigar <laughs> all the time. Put them both in the room, and you can't see anything just from all the tobacco <laughs> smoke, and it's just polluting the air. <laughs> Their teeth haven't been white for years. Like they brush every day, but it's just yellow as fuck from smoking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I smell their breath from the next room. <laughs> it's a fucking stogie. So the Flash does cameo in the final part of this story arc against the villain Captain Stingery, a name that Uslan hated, even though we still joked with him about it in our episode. But uh, Captain Stingery. Is Stingery. Because uh, Uslan was just like, couldn't he have just been Captain Stingray? Uh, but Captain right, Stingery. Yeah. He said that on our show, right? Or no? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, okay. He's convinced that Batman is actually three different men in this storyline. Uh, so to accommodate him and to keep Bruce Wayne's identity, the Flash moves Batman at super speed, making it look like there were three Batmen. Um, also, Captain Stingery freezes people which seems like he's definitely copying after either Mr. Freeze or Captain Cold or Killer Frost or just name any cold person at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Flash mentions that Stingery uh, learned how to, quote, make that ice from a former cellmate, my old foe, Captain Cold. So there's some connection there between uh, the different villains for this one. So this is the quick uh, cameo that the Flash has in this. And then uh, after a quick explanation, some exposition, he takes off because he's going to be late for dinner and Iris is going to be mad at him. So that's the end of his uh, his little cameo there in the Uslan story. But uh, it's uh, it still counts. <clears throat> still counts as a crossover. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on to one of my favorites out of these. Bob Haney is back. It's The Brave and the Bold, number 151 in 1979. Uh, the last Bob Haney story we'll talk about today. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. That's the last one. Art by Jim Aparo again. Colors by Jerry Serpe. And the story is called The Disco of Death. Yes. <laughs> Bruce and Barry go so out. In the 70s, early 80s? 1979, yes. 79, there we go, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Barry and his wife Iris go on a double date with Bruce Wayne and his girlfriend Rhonda to the disco, as we see here, uh, only to find that uh, some evil is there at the disco. There, This story might as well have been called The Phantom of the Disco because... The villain is drawn to look like Lone Chaney's Phantom of the Opera from the 1920s okay. silent version. And he's preying on young girls at the disco and uh, bringing their spirits into some sort of spiritual realm. So the Flash vibrates into that world where the Phantom of the disco basically tries to make him dance to death. Uh, <laughs> another, another billion or so miles and you'll die of exhaustion. Yowza. It says yellow. <laughs> this so. is so wild, but there is something <laughs> sort of creepy about it at the same time, I think. Yeah. Like, there is legitimately some, uh, like, feeling of, like, you know what? This is cool. Like, this is, like, the idea of Batman and Flash up against the modernized Phantom of the Opera is a pretty cool idea. 
Yeah, for sure. That's I don't know. I mean, you know, Haney's crazy, so this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? So, uh, Flash is only able to escape by duplicating himself with his speed to trick the spirits into dancing with his duplicate before taking off. Again, the logic is sound here. So uh, the Flash does end up time traveling with the cosmic treadmill to discover the Phantom's tragic backstory. So years ago, there was a dance contest. A young couple won, but the woman died of exhaustion. And so the man who survived must be the Phantom. Batman deduces that the only way to take care of the Phantom and make him step down is, again, the logic is sound here, we need to put Barry's wife Iris in makeup to make her look like this guy's dead lover and have her convince him to end his reign of vengeance on the disco. <laughs> so, <laughs> But this was the best one out of what you read. This is my this. favorite out of them just because just the ridiculousness of this. I'm just like, okay. we got disco, we got the Flash being danced to death, we got uh, the Phantom <laughs> of the Opera type of thing. We got like, hey, like the most logical plan of action is for us to turn Iris into this guy's dead wife <laughs> and, and see if she can convince him. So Julie Schwartz is like, uh, this is solid. <laughs> so yeah, they 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 end up pulling it off. Iris convinces this guy to uh, stop, and Barry takes Iris out of the spirit world. Case closed. Hey, Carmine, what do you think of this one? It's solid, boss. <laughs> so, yeah. Disco amazing. to death. <laughs> so, yeah, the disco of death. Check it out. Uh, yeah, so that's the end of Haney's stuff, unfortunately, after this. I wanted more, but uh, we'll just have to cover that in other other times. We'll cover covering uh, the Brave and the Bold type stuff. Uh, there, but You uh, know, there there is something to be said about if, uh, you know, we've been making, we making a lot of fun about this, but... There's yeah. something to be said about this style of humor. I mean, yes, little kids reading it are like, oh, this is badass, disco to death. But again, <laughs> the the 66 Adam West kind of take on it as well is mm-hmm. like, you know, you can tell jokes in the traditional way of like, you know, set up and, and then punchline, which is fine. I love stand up too and all that, whatever. It's all mm-hmm. good. But then there's this other style where it's like the entire situation itself is so fucking ridiculous. That's the joke. Yeah. And so like like you read this and you thought this is hilarious and like it's a type of comedy unto itself, you know what I mean? And Right. I I, I honestly feel like not to always fucking, you know, put this into every conversation, but uh I feel like Japan's good at this too. Like Dragon Ball and other mm-hmm. anime are kind of they kind of do this kind of thing too cuz they're their culture along with with humor is uh, is slightly different as well so but this kind of like just the the entire situation is zany mm-hmm. instead and instead of setup and punchline like there's actually some cultural crossover there uh and um i i don't know ultimately i guess i like the i love that there's so many styles of humor you know mm-hmm yeah, and this to this one, I could even see myself reading this as a kid and just taking it dead serious. Yeah, you know, Batman and oh. Flash have to stop the Phantom. Oh <laughs> you know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, they you know, they have to stop this guy. Yeah, and then you know now reading it in my thirties, I'm just like, what the? I, I read this actually in line at um, at WonderCon. I was waiting on Jason oh, wow. Aaron's uh, autograph. I'm just like, let me read this one. I was just laughing in line. I was just like, what is the story? <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, 
disco to death. Uh, disco of death, sorry. But yeah, Flash is nearly discoed to death in this one. Yes, yes, uh, yes. The last Brave and the Bold one to go over is Brave and the Bold 194, 1983, called Trade Heroes and Win. Uh, writer is Mike W. Barr instead of uh, Bob Haney. Artist is man of consequence himself, Carmine Infantino. See, he oh, was involved in this. One of the best cool. names of all time, dude. Indeed. Again, uh, my dad back in the day, Giovanni Ribisi used to be in a lot more movies than he is now, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But we, he, my dad was like, Giovanni Ribisi. That's a good name. <laughs> he just thought he just thought it was just a cool right. name, and it is a cool name. Like, <laughs> Italian names are cool, and like when mm-hmm. I hear Carmine Infantino, it's just like, damn, that's a that's a fucking name. It is. That's yeah. a name of consequence. So Infantino worked on this with Sal Trapani. Letters by John Costanza. Colors by Adrian Roy. And you can kind of tell what this is about from looking at it. The villains. It's about to fucking heroes. dudes stomping on Batman. <laughs> the flash that's what i'm getting from this cover it's about rainbow man and uh evil flash with a cape stomping on people it's dr double x he's about to do the people's elbow on the flash here it's it's, it's we just had wrestlemania as of this podcast on our mind yes as we're we're watching this but yeah dr double x is the guy on the right with the cape and rainbow raider is the one on the left uh, and so they face off. Double X kind of, he and his brother inhabit the same body, and so his brother kind of comes out of him as like this um, this spiritual version of him. Uh, and so Double X usually faces off against Batman, obviously not you know one of the A-lister rogues gallery guys, but he does go up against uh, Batman a lot. So he decides to take on Flash and Rainbow Which- Raider. Is Rainbow Raider Batman. actually the one that's more badass, though? I feel I like think he is more badass than Doctor Double X. In this. I, I like that. I like <clears> that. You want the you want the guy with the with the worst costume to act, <laughs> to to actually be badass. Well, he manipulates your emotions using different colors. <laughs> okay, so, good. Uh, this was done in. Um, so, if you might remember from Flash season one, Rainbow Raider is the one who kind of turns Flash evil for an episode. Based off of uh, based uh, off of the colors uh, and stuff, but that that's how he works. So uh, when he goes up against Batman, however, in this issue, he tries to inflict different you know manipulations onto Batman, manipulate his emotions, and they never work. <clears throat> and Batman punches him out on the bottom, as we see here, <clears throat> pointing out that he's been trained to keep his emotions under control. So Rainbow Raider is useless against Batman in this issue. Kind of a cool idea, I think. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so I just want to see him do yellow in front of Green Lantern now. <laughs> see what happens. I could defeat you easily. What am I doing up against Flash? <laughs> just paint a piece of wood yellow, and that's double trouble. <laughs> yeah, neither Alan Scott nor any of the others can take him out at that point. <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of it for the um, you know the brave and the bold ones. This next one isn't necessarily a solo team up story, but I kind of have to include it. It's the big one, Crisis on Infinite Earths, from Marv Wolfman and George Perez, uh, from 1985. The Flash appears in and out of time and warns Batman of the coming crisis. Batman is one of the few heroes Flash even gets to interact with in the entire story. Um, And uh, I don't think he necessarily chooses it to be Batman, but it happens to be Batman in this and telling him to, to save all of us. It's uh, this story is of course significant for Flash fans because it's the one that killed off Barry Allen's Flash to stop the big villain of the DC universe, the Anti Monitor, in uh, in the Crisis story. So uh, this is what we got here. So at this point, 
Barry Allen is dead in the comics, but he'll be back. And so will we after the break. Hey everyone, so this is Ben. I have a few plugs for my writing. So I am getting my first fiction published. It's going to be published in Metaphorosis Magazine in the April 2023 edition. It is a short story novella called Shortcut to Happily Ever After. The cover that you might see in the video version is based on my story, art done by artist Gabriel Roswell. It'll be available on the Metaphorosis website on the first week of April. The issue itself will be available if you want to buy it on Kindle or on print on Amazon. Uh, the story, real quick, is about Daniel, a hopeless romantic who uses time travel to find love. Whenever he meets someone new, he jumps to the future to see if their relationship lasts, and if it doesn't, he returns to the present to cancel the first date before anyone gets hurt. But when his dating strategy starts ruining the fabric of time, Daniel has to go back and live through every relationship he skipped, discovering what he missed the first time around. So check that out. The uh, links are in the visuals as well as in the uh, basically the links below. But that is at Metaphorosis. That is M-E-T-A-P-H-O-R-O-S-I-S. Uh, and the Amazon link will be there as well. So that is my original piece, but if you've been following us on social media or our YouTube community, I've also announced something else. I've got a couple Batman-related things in the pipeline, collaborating with our friends and fellow podcast, Newverse Creative. We've brought them up on the show before, but they do audio drama adaptations of unmade superhero scripts and other projects. So kind of dramatizing stuff we cover and comment about here. So for them, I'm adapting the Batman 89 comic written by Sam Hamm, with art by Joe Quinones, as well as Batman 3, which is going to be an adaptation of the original Batman Forever scripts by Lee and Janet Scott Batchelor and Akiva Goldman. So those will be coming out later this year. Uh, the Batman 3 one will be one that focuses on, of course, the cut subplot of Bruce Wayne's psychological journey. It is the closest thing you will get to the dramatized version of Batman Forever we've been talking about on this podcast since 2019. And that's about all I can say about it for now. But... Uh, thank you very much. And for the month of April, uh, this is because of the fact that SnyderCon is uh, that month. This month's charity will be for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. This is the charity that a lot of Snyder Cut fans have donated to in honor of Snyder's daughter, Autumn, who unfortunately committed suicide years ago. Uh, no matter what your opinion is on the Snyder films themselves, I think we can all agree Suicide prevention is more than a worthy cause that all of us can support. Obviously, if you or someone you know is having these types of thoughts, seek help. Uh, the AFSP Foundation, they have our, their own helpline and number, and, and they basically are out to help this cause. Uh, so there are people out there who can help you or anyone you know. And the website is AFSP.org. Thank you. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation. In this first season, it will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general. Japanese cultural differences as well and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly aka EGM so stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast it's already out now y'all I want to tell you about the Patreon.com Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod and on that you get the $1 tier 
you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout-out on the board, and either visually or orally, or both at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral uh, for the most part uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And um, the uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for five mm -hmm. bucks. And uh, there's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above. Plus a, uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly. And it's like a Zoom-like call and we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get, like the $5 tier, gets you the $1 tier benefits, and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm -hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com and on Threadless, SuperheroStuffPod.Threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower curtains, and all the rest artwork by Stephen Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at SuperhousePodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. Mm -hmm. You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf Lives is my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have... Uh, also, ThunderWolfDrew.com has my whole portfolio in one place, except for AmanoRecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And that is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing, where it is R-rated um, Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch. And... It is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. And check it out. Please support us on the campaign. And more from that soon. Um, but yes, it's uh, it's bloody, and um, if you like that kind of thing, check us out. And that's it, Ben. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Superhouse Pod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We even, I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in, so you can check that out on our Instagram Superhero <laughs> Stuff Pod, uh, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is benwanrider.com, where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts, including Gotham, Vampire, Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland. If you're fans of any of those shows, check them out and let us know what you think. My YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the 8th Doctor, meaning Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is BenWanRider. If you like cats, my son, Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, 
then you can get the whisker box the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent and you can even check out another page on that website superherostuffpod.com slash show notes that includes uh various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superherostuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines talking about dogs y'all as you might have heard Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Oh, skeet, skeet, motherfucker. Oh, skeet, skeet, god And we're back. And so is Barry, the Flash. As we've discussed before on the pod, Barry Allen was killed off and Wally West was brought on as the Flash. I couldn't find a ton of times where Batman teamed up with only Wally West Flash outside of the Justice League comics. So it seems like a lot of those teams teams were with Barry, but correct me if I'm wrong in the comments section. Uh, I wanted to go over some more stuff that came up with Barry afterwards, after his death posthumously. So uh, 2005, Jim Kruger, uh, the writer, teams up with artist Alex Ross on the comic Justice, which is kind of like... Challenge of the Super Friends, but drawn by Alex Ross. <laughs> so it's pretty oh, cool. Man. Uh, it's the Justice League going up against the Legion of Doom, and done in kind of a way where the Legion of Doom is presenting themselves as more effective good guys to the world than the superheroes. They're just like, okay. we we stopped world hunger by feeding all these people. You know, we stopped this, we stopped poverty, we stopped all these things. What has the Justice League done for you? Um, and it, it was really, it's that comic as a writer that introduced me to the concept of the villain always believes that he's the hero of his own story. Right. Which yeah. I really like. Um, and so the parts of the, of the just story I want to go over, however, are the, uh, the back issues are Bruce Wayne's private files in the back computer of the members of the justice league and the Legion of doom. And he has a file here on Barry Allen. Again, this is like more classic Justice League stuff. So it's not like he's got Batman's contingency plans and stuff in this part. But uh, there's some character insight here that's interesting where Bruce calls Barry, quote, Barry Allen is the kind of man I would have hoped to become had my parents not been murdered before my eyes. So it's an interesting character insight in terms of he, he has respect and admiration for Barry and kind of sees him as like, I could have been you in terms of, I guess, somebody who still fights for justice but hasn't had a ton of tragedy in his life and but is able to still be, you know, happy. Like, again, this is before the rewritten origin where his mother was killed by reverse Flash. So right, Barry's yeah. parents are not, you know, he's not orphaned in this continuity. He's not orphaned in that period of time yet at all in the comics. So kind of an interesting insight uh, into the character from Jim Kruger here. So... Uh, I thought it was worth including for this. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> Justice is cool. 
Uh, and after justice, Grant Morrison brings Barry Allen back from the dead in Final Crisis. And Jeff Johns, of course, does the rewrite of the origin where Reverse Flash goes back in time, kills Barry's mom, frames Barry's father for the crime. And so Barry attempts to change this in the most famous crossover between Flash and Batman, and arguably the most famous Flash story, Flashpoint. Uh, where the crossover isn't even with the Bruce Wayne Batman either uh, in this in the storyline. So right, this is yeah. from 2011, written by Jeff Johns, uh, Andy Kubert on art. But uh, I'm sure everybody knows this, but just to recap, Barry attempts to go back in time to save his mother from getting murdered by Reverse Flash. He does save her, but that starts a whole new timeline, one in which uh, Bruce Wayne was actually killed by Joe Chill, and Thomas and Martha survived. Thomas became Batman. Martha became the Joker. Uh, Thomas. That shit's up crazy, man. Yeah, it is. I forgot about the Martha Joker shit. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, because she's like, that stuff is covered more in the separate comics about Flashpoint and Batman. She's not really in the Flashpoint storyline. Uh, right, th- th- okay. That's, that's a twist they added uh, for those comics. But yeah, Thomas teams up with the Flash to help reset the timeline so that the world can go back to where it was, and it's a world where his son is alive again. So that's his big motivation. Um and at the end, the DC Universe is reset to the New 52 timeline. And uh, it's here that Flash honors his roots, emulating Hermes or Mercury, by delivering a message to Bruce Wayne, which is a letter from his father. This is the most, this is the emotional high point of the entire Flashpoint arc and the animated movie, The Flashpoint Paradox. Um, and this is, it's a scene that, you know, we've said we'd love this to be in the Flash movie. I just don't see how they're going to do it. Or how they would do it in this one, since it's not the Thomas Wayne Flashpoint Batman. Um, yeah. So if they're not uh, set up for that too much. Like we, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they don't do it, it's fine. It yeah. seems like it's they're gonna have other emotional beats anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be fine. I'm sure a lot of people will be disappointed to not see this scene if they don't do it. But maybe it's it's a kill your darlings kind of thing. You know, we're we just have to let it go. We also got a version of it in the animated movie with Kevin Conroy's Batman. So I'm like, eh, like <clears throat> we've seen it done. We've seen it get brought to life before. It would be great if there was a version of this with, you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the Thomas Wayne Batman and Lauren Cohen as the, you know, Martha, Ke- I mean, Martha Wayne Joker. And we get Affleck back at the end to do the scene. But <clears throat> I can understand in this movie from a business standpoint, you can't convince me that Jeffrey Dean Morgan Batman would have been more popular than bringing Keaton back in the Batman choice. Yeah, Batman, there's pretty much no, no way. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. I mean, yeah. again, you know, I, I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan's great actor, great choice for Batman. I mean, Thomas Wayne Batman, great choice for Thomas Wayne. If they did a flashback Batman with him, he'd kill it. But again, like if you want to bring in the box office, that's you bring in the hardcore comic fans if you have Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne Batman, but you bring in comic fans and the general public when you bring back Keaton. So yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see why they did that. So there are, there's kind of a sequel to flashpoint from rebirth. So flash forward to, uh, 2017, the button from Tom King and Joshua Williamson with Jason Fabok doing these covers and Howard Porter doing the flash. How was this? How was this one? It's okay. One? Yeah, I read yeah. it. It's it's uh, it's mainly significant. It's more significant for the emotions than for the main story, which I think kind of sums up a lot of Tom King's stuff uh, in general. But <laughs> okay. for Batman, 
but yeah, Batman and Flash investigate Dr. Manhattan's button, as we see here, and face against the Reverse Flash before F Reverse Flash was killed by Thomas Wayne Batman and Flashpoint continuity. Uh, Reverse Flash actually destroys the Thomas Wayne letter because he's a petty piece of shit. Uh, so that's another <laughs> evil thing that Reverse Flash does. Oh, but man. Uh, it's mo mainly significant to me because Bruce gets to meet his father. He gets to meet the Flashpoint version of Thomas Wayne in this storyline due to just timeline shenanigans and shit. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's a touching reunion. However, some feel that it's kind of ruined by the fact that Tom King then went on to kind of make Flashpoint Batman a villain in uh, in his later Batman run. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's still a cool aspect. But yeah, it's definitely more of a Batman story than a Flash story to me. When, okay. Uh, when reading this, real quick, uh, the Flash Rebirth. How much of that did you read, or did you just read the team ups? I've read the team ups, and I've read the year one that was written for it. I okay. think it was Joshua Williamson, where it was it's him versus the turtle. Um, okay. Which was which was pretty good, uh, but I haven't read uh, I haven't read beyond that yet. I'm interested in a Rebirth. Uh, just get that's like an easy uh you know starting mm -hmm. point these days so uh yeah. maybe that'll be one of the next things i go into yeah uh we'll we'll explore as we continue because i mean i've definitely been reading a lot more flash stuff with the upcoming movie and sort of seeing like what's the history uh for this so uh the next storyline is from 2019 heroes in crisis and then the sequel the price of justice this is a major rebirth storyline also from tom king and joshua williamson um, in The Price of Justice, uh, in which a place called Sanctuary is put up as kind of a mental hospital for superheroes to deal with their mental health issues, which makes a lot of sense considering what they have to do. I mean, like the shit ton of pressure that they always have. PTSD to of sorts? Through. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, you know, you can't just have a comic with that's just pure character stuff <laughs> without shit going down. So murders happen at uh, the Sanctuary, and the detectives investigating are Batman and The Flash. So... Uh, okay. They they team up kind of on uh, on this, but yeah, it's a little bit more of a Justice League story than a Batman and Flash specific story. But uh, the Price of Justice, which is the sequel uh, to it that takes place right after, has uh, was basically kind of like the button where it was in the Batman main storyline and the Flash main storyline. So it would be like read this issue okay. of Batman and then jump over to the Flash and and go back and forth. So okay. Uh, <clears throat> That's that part. We'll probably cover a little bit more of this in the Patreon deeper dive stuff. But uh, I would be remiss not to mention in 2017, the Dark Knight's metal storyline introduced the Red Death. Great name. Oh, man. God damn it. I, this, I'm, I'm, look, this will, be, this will be the next thing I read. I swear to God. Dark Knight's I, I need it. There's, <laughs> God, there's, I don't know why. I, the universe is not right until I've read this. This is your shit. Yeah. I know. It really is. Uh, Anyway, Red Death. He looks pretty cool. Actually, he looks really yep. cool. <laughs> he is an alternate universe of Batman who stole Barry's ability to tap into the speed force. <laughs> this is Bruce Wayne. speedster version of Batman. Yeah, so he's he's an <laughs> evil... It, it's basically reverse Flash who has Batman's background. You know, like, it, it's, it's pretty insane. Um, and he uses his speed to, you know, take out crime in Gotham. And, of course, he kills people because he's an evil Batman. But, you know, he's an alternate universe evil Batman. It's deliberate, so it's fine. This is uh, sick, yeah. bro. I'm, yeah. again, I, I don't know why I haven't even, this should have been done a long time ago. I, I will get this done <laughs> soon. Yeah. Well, the, the Red Death issue that, like, covers his origin is only one issue, if you want to check that one out. That's the only okay. one I've read. 
Uh, I haven't read was the it cool on Dark Knight's Metal. Yeah, I mean it's it's a cool it's a cool origin. It's a little I mean it's pretty dark, but it's that's pretty to be metal, bro. Yeah, <laughs> so like he, uh, he in order to steal Barry's ability, he can't like just ask him. Let me just put it that way. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> might I have your powers? <laughs> Some speed force. Might I have a spot of your speed force? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> My good man. <laughs> so we we've mostly covered the major comic book team ups, but let's go a little bit into animation and, and live action stuff. So first time we see Batman and Flash team up in both animation and just in general in, in adaptations was, of course, Super Friends. So, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. First iteration, <laughs> 1973. Batman is voiced by Olin Sol, and Flash is voiced by Ted Knight. They forgot to put the white circle, this yellow circle, just completely yellow, on uh, Super Friends Flash over That's here. just probably animators being... I mean, it's not lazy. They got to put in like a billion frames. Yeah. They're just trying... You know, the shortcut. They're, yeah. It's just shortcuts. I mean, it dude, there like were... It looks like Flash, doesn't it? There were, I remember there were episodes of Ninja Turtles where the fucking, like, their colors would change on their fucking, mm-hmm. you know, bandanas. You uh, see that sometimes, too, in the animated series, the 90s animated series, because they outsource some of it to uh, Japan, I think. And sometimes, uh, in, like, Heart of Ice, you can see the colors are inverted on the bat insignia. Oh, a my couple God. Times. So, it's, you uh, know, animation's just tough, like man. It's really tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, so Super Friends had the Flash on. Flash was not, I, I was reading up on this because I've, I've only seen a little bit of Super Friends, but Flash wasn't like in every episode. He was kind of a guest uh, at times. He nah, he's kind of one Batman. of our lame characters, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess that was the attitude. But, uh, you know, <laughs> the most famous uh, of the animated ones is, of course, DC Animated Universe of 2001. They had the Justice League show and Justice League Unlimited, of Kevin Conroy's Batman and Michael Rosenbaum as the Flash, uh, which you know a lot of people have have seen. But I wanted to bring up something a little bit more obscure, which is that Batman and Flash technically team up before uh, this comic. I mean, before this cartoon in a tie-in comic in Batman Gotham Adventures number twenty-five that was released and done a year before they even did the Justice League show. This looks uh, fun. Did you read this one? I read this one. This one is cool. So this is yeah. Uh, called Recognized in Flashes and with Glory. It is basically the Flash in between his first appearance in the Superman animated series, where he was voiced by Charlie Schlatter, and before he shows up in the Justice League cartoon. So I'm assuming this is still Wally West as the Flash. Um, They never really covered... Like, there were hints that there might have been a Barry Allen, but they never really said uh, as much. So in the DC animated universe, it's kind of just like, well, it's just Wally West. Uh, in this and so uh, it is written by Scott Peterson pencils by Tim Levins inks by Terry Beatty colors by Lee Luridge letters by Tim Harkins and this is significant because this is the earliest instance I could find where Batman is a mentor to Flash okay so, that's cool uh, it's the earliest I, one where this happens yeah because I mean let's if I was thinking back on this too right if Barry Allen uh, is introduced around you know the same time in the Justice League with with Batman. They're kind of peers, right? They're kind of around the same age uh, and stuff. And it makes sense for them to be in the same age because if Barry goes back to save his mom, that kind of has to happen before uh, Bruce Wayne's parents are killed in order for that to be affected in the timeline. Okay. Uh, so 
it kind of makes sense that Batman is not really a mentor to Barry, but it makes a lot more sense for him to be a mentor to Wally West because Wally is a peer to Dick Grayson. Wally was part of the Teen Titans with Dick Grayson. So, you know, Batman, like the age difference is there, the experience um, levels are there for that. So it actually makes more sense in the regular continuity for that to be the case. And that's kind of what's been transferred over to the DCAU with this comic in particular because uh, Flash and Batman and the Tim Drake Robin team up on a case and you've got Batman kind of teaching Flash to be less reckless, how to be a more effective crime fighter, you know, telling him like, hey, you could have done that more effectively with your speed doing this or that, you know, and uh, ultimately approving of him by the end, which is cool. So... This uh, him it, being his mentor cool. is kind of a maybe maybe because I've seen it so much at this point, but mm-hmm. it just really makes a lot of sense. I just it's one of those things that like once somebody thinks of it, it's like oh yeah, we're never doing yeah. anything else. This is the, <laughs> this is how we need to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it it makes sense as well from the detective standpoint too. If if Batman's more experienced, I think it just depends on the the background of the characters. Yeah, uh, yeah, that you're presenting. So. Uh, we end up seeing a little bit more of the peer dynamic in the Batman animated series, early 2000s, uh, where the final season was kind of like a, it almost felt like it was a precursor to the Brave and the Bold series because it had Batman teaming up with a different Justice League hero in each episode. Um, okay. So he had a team up with the Flash called Amir Darkly, written by Stephen Milching, and they faced off against the Mirror Master, who was creating duplicates of Batman and the Flash. Uh, Flash was once again, I believe, voiced by Charlie Chatler again with uh, Reno Romano as Batman. Um, unfortunately, not nearly as crazy as the Bob Haney shit that we've been talking about, but still a solid episode. Uh, okay. And uh, going into Batman the Brave and the Bold, we'd see that Batman knows all three Flashes, uh, Jay Garrick, Barry Allen, and Wally West, as we see here in this screen, screen cap from Dan. Uh, they team up together in the episode Requiem for a Scarlet Speedster, written by Greg Weissman that kind of incorporates a little bit of the crisis where Barry's believed to be dead, but he was actually taken hostage in the future by the reverse Flash, Professor Zoom. So you've got Batman and the Flashes taking on the reverse Flash with Batman at one point even getting super speed temporarily. So uh, that's kind of cool. Look, again, we have to shout out at this point. It's on HBO Max, Batman Brave and the Bold. Mm -hmm. It skews a little younger than than even B-Taz does, but... It's it's just so much fun. It's a really fun show. It's great. <clears throat> it's great, yeah. and also um, kind of was one of the ones to introduce the or be one of the early versions of the Jaime Reyes uh, Blue Beetle, who's now oh, yeah. gonna be you know in the movies uh, and stuff. Like my main exposure to that character has been through these types of cartoons. Has been through the Brave and the Bold, and he's also in Justice League Action. Like they they decide to incorporate him in the in the animated shows now. He's going to be, you know, in the movies and like, okay, now I know that character because I've seen him in these shows. So um, more more things to be grateful for the, you know, to the Brave and the Bold for. Uh, oh, so, yeah. So I, it's it's very Silver Age fun, like the mm-hmm. not serious, not even one percent. But that's what's so great about it. It's so fun and wacky. And like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, dude, you did you see the last uh, episode of this show? Oh, yeah. I've seen the whole thing. I mean, spoilers, but it's been out for a while. But they're like, well, mm-hmm. then we might go back to being dark again. But, you know, let's have, let's, uh, you know, celebrate what we had. 
<laughs> with this series. You know, they're very mm. the last episode of this show is so fucking meta, but it's so well written. I, I don't know. Look, it's a fucking great ambush show. Ambush bug. Yeah. Ambush bug. Yeah, ambush bug. Oh my god, dude. It, this is <laughs> watch this with your kids or your nephew or niece mm-hmm. or something. Like you will have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't seen it already, Batman the Brave and the Bold, it's not only has this episode with Flash, but also reverses the dynamic and presents that the Flash trained Batman, specifically the Jay Garrick Flash, training Batman in the Brave and the Bold, The Golden Age of Justice, written by Todd Casey, one of my favorite episodes, simply because it, it, it kind of has a, does a cool thing with young Batman, as we see here in the early Bill Finger 1939 design, right down to the purple gloves. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, early in his career, getting training from the Golden Age JSA heroes, the Jay Garrick Flash, Wildcat, Hawkman, and Dr. Midnight, um, and kind of being somewhat of a, you know, friend and rival to the second Black Canary, Dinah Laurel Lance, uh, who's there because her mom was part of the JSA. So uh, kind of continuing the whole superhero legacy. But yeah, it's the only time that we see the Flash kind of being a mentor to Batman, even though it's not Barry or, or Wally, but it makes sense. It's Jay because Jay's the oldest out of all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. So uh, moving into live action, we see Batman and Flash together for the first time in the reviled Legends of the Superhero special. Uh, I still have yet. not seen this yet because it's it used to be on DC Universe before that stopped being a streaming service and HBO Max was probably like, fuck, no, we're not putting this up. Ah, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, so uh, it's got Adam West and Burt Ward returning as Batman and Robin several years uh, later. You can see that the costumes are a little, uh, well, the Batman costume's a little different. They fucked around with his neck, as we can see here. I don't know what's going on. Look like he got some, like, blush on him and kissed by a couple vixens here. What's happened here? Along with some spray tan or something like that. There's something off about this. Burt Ward has also gained a few. Uh, since the last time in the 60s, but, I mean, it makes sense. It's been 10 years. It uh, had begun, and, bro. Yeah. Uh, but he still got that bulge in the still, green speedos. He gained it mainly in the in the bulge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, He loved being famous for that. So we can see Frank Gorshin returned as the Riddler. You can see a little bit of the costume. Uh, you got Hawkman in the background. We got Green Lantern. We got the first version of li- in live action of Captain Marvel, Shazam. Um, mm. we got this random old dude. Uh, as well, he's supposed just to be just some guy. He's <laughs> the Scarlet Cyclone, but uh, the, as we can see on the right, there's also the Flash, played by I believe it's pronounced Rod Hassey. Uh, the only blonde actor to play the role of Barry Allen so far, as of this recording. Uh, everyone else has been a brunette, though I don't think he takes the mask off at all. So it's not like you know. <laughs> so. For people that don't know, what the fuck was this again? This was like some one-off special on TV? It was a, yeah, it was a one-off special. Part of it, it was kind of like a variety show. <laughs> as well as a roast, I think. And okay. it tried to bring back Batman 66 stuff with Adam West, Burt Ward, and Frank Gorshin, as well as other heroes. You got The Flash, you got Huntress. You know, you, you, see, this, you see it here. And it, it should have just been like a live action Super Friends type of thing, but apparently it's just an awful comedy special uh, type of thing that just makes fun of everybody and the characters. Okay. So um, I'd still be curious to see it because it is a part of DC history. It's some of the first live action versions of everybody. It's the return of Adam West and Burt Ward, 
uh, you know, okay. in live action. The last time that they were, you know, suited up in an official thing uh, in live action. But uh, and also has this was the last the time. Wizard. This is the last time they ever like uh, Ward and West wore these costumes for an official production. I think they still wore it for like cons and stuff. Okay, yeah. Okay, but right. if we're talking for like on film, then yeah, because everything else afterwards were those animated movies or animated shows. Okay, all right, so, got it. Uh, but yeah, Legends of the Superheroes. Um, and then we almost got something that was a huge upgrade from the Legends of the Superheroes, which was George Miller's Justice League Mortal, which would have had Army Hammer as Batman. This fan art here by uh, Missouri, Missouri, yeah, Missouri, and uh, Adam Brody as the Barry Allen Flash, done by Mike uh, Camperone uh, from Mike Design Stuff on Instagram. Uh, this is before Adam Brody became the older version of Freddie Freeman. Captain Everything, Every Power, Captain <laughs> Every Power in yes, the Shazam yes. movies. Um, it Basically also the main Zoe. guy in Shazam 2. Yes, exactly. That's what they, exactly what they should have said. Yes. Uh, Zoe Kazan is Iris West, and the late Anton Yelchin would have been Wally West, who would have taken over from The Flash at the end. So uh, we've gone over this uh, script before, so check out that uh, deep dive. Uh, this is one of the early, early episodes uh, that we did, but Barry's Flash is the main heart of the story, and uh, Army Hammer's Batman would have had uh, contingency plans against all the Justice League members that get stolen by the villains, kind of echoing the storylines Tower of Babel and the OMAC project, and uh, the Flash ends up sacrificing his life at the end, and uh, naturally, I imagine Batman would feel guilty over his death about that, since it's his contingency plans that led to it. Uh, and then uh, Wally West does take over as the new Flash at the end of that script. A lot of people shat on this idea back in 2007 or so. They were all about the Dark Knight and, and Nolan stuff and didn't want to see any uh, universe stuff. And then now people change their tune and say that uh, they should have done it because they would have been ahead of Marvel and DC would be in a better spot. So, oh well. Mm -hmm. Oh well. But uh, what we did get in terms of uh, Bruce and Barry, was Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Bruce sees Barry Allen emerge wearing futuristic armor and warning him of the future, reminiscent of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, we also see security footage of Barry stopping a robbery at a convenience store that Bruce emails to Diana, and Bruce finally meets present-day version of Barry in both versions of Justice League by throwing a batarang at him. Uh, but uh, in the, mm -hmm. uh, the Joss Whedon version does have a more formal mentorship type of thing of Barry not being experienced in saving people and fighting. He says that he just pushes people and runs away, which apparently Zack Snyder commented, what the fuck? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <Batman>. <laughs> Oh, that was a Whedon thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Batman advises him to start by saving one person at a time. So that's kind of what starts the whole, uh, mentorship in the, the Affleck and Miller version of, uh, Batman and flash. Uh, and then, the unmade Justice League 2 and 3 from Snyder, as we've covered before, would have had us visit the Nightmare timeline where Batman plans to send Flash into the past to warn everyone and stop the nightmare from happening. Uh, and okay. then, of course, we get to... Uh, before we get to the Flash movie coming out this year, there was a prequel comic called The Flash, Fastest Man Alive. Uh, the first issue did have more of Ben Affleck's Batman teaming up with Ezra Miller's Flash, including giving him the Flash ring. Uh, so we'll cover that a little bit more in the uh, in the Patreon uh, episode, but uh, that's sort of just a continuation of what we've seen before. Before we get to the Flash 2023 coming out in the summer, 
an adaptation of Flashpoint, as we've seen, likely going to have both versions of Batman be some sort of mentor to the Ezra Miller Flash. So we finally caught up to present day. Uh, but yeah, overall, I'm glad I did this, mainly because of Bob Haney. Like those stories, <laughs> if there's any influence of this in, in the Muschietti movie, uh, you and I will stand up and clap. I so mean, yeah. Pirate. I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the zany for sure yeah. in The Flash. Are there, it looks like it might be a little bit heavy to, to be too zany, but there'll probably be a little bit of zany elements into in it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So, sure. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But other than that, yeah, my favorite stuff clearly was the Haney stuff. Uh, but it's been cool kind of diving into it and, and seeing where like this dynamic started, which seems to be with the DCAU stuff and kind of evolved, evolved from there. So we, if you've, you've said this probably on the Patreon, I think, but the flash is your third favorite out of a DC. I would problem. say, yeah, I would say for sure. Flash is my third favorite, uh, behind Batman and Superman, of course. Um, now which flash now that's an interesting question. Because so much of because <laughs> so much of Wally has made it into Barry, as we've covered, and, and our fans have pointed out, that's kind of hard. It's harder now to differentiate uh, between them. But for a while, you know, Wally West, I think, was regarded as the best Flash simply because he had the most character depth, based off of right. you know, the, the writing from you know Mike Barron and, and Mark Wade and stuff. And now, like Barry's kind of reclaimed some of that depth by stealing shit from Wally, right? <laughs> so. Uh, it's it's kind of a toss up, but I would say either because sometimes uh, the dynamics are similar uh, between him and the other Justice League characters, depending on the interpretation uh, and stuff. But uh, overall, yeah, I would say it's Batman, Superman, and Flash in terms of the DC characters. I'm not trying to agree with you all the time, but I <laughs> pretty much I kind of agree to like I did get an Aquaman for a bit because I scuba dive and like I don't know yeah I worked on the first movie as well and mm-hmm. like uh, I do I might like Aquaman more than Green Lantern I still haven't gotten super into Green Lantern for some reason nothing yeah, to do with here. the movie nothing mm-hmm. to do with the movie at all it's just uh, somebody said this online one time like it's like the powers, his powers make Green Lantern's powers make it. He's always a little bit like removed from the action. He's kind of a long, honestly, he's a long range guy. And like, I need, yeah, I, I like that with the ring. Yeah, I like my heroes, like generally speaking, kind of like punching people up close. <laughs> right. I like a close range combat. So, mm-hmm. uh, that being said, I do like Cyclops a lot, and he's a long-range guy, so I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place, but um, I think more often than not, though, I like it's a it's close-range aspect of it. Maybe that's a that's a factor in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to, you know, learn more about Green Lantern and shit, but man, dude, he, he, he might be like my least favorite <laughs> Justice League member, <laughs> man. No offense to everybody out there, but it's yeah. just... Not super I, I, into him for some reason. I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Yeah. And maybe it's just because we haven't been exposed enough to like good versions of it. Because I'm like, yeah, there's you know, there's an animated series, there's animated movies, there's stuff outside the Ryan Reynolds thing. I'm just not, I'm just not super compelled to watch them. Like I tried watching one of them, one of the animated movies, and like I turned it off like five minutes in, just being like, okay, maybe another time. I'm just not into this right now. I mean, they have to get for me. 
God, we went from Flash to Green Lantern. But anyway, real quick, if they have... They have to, like, get really fucking nuts with the con- constructs. You know, yeah. get really fucking zany with that shit. Like, not just a gun or a sword. I don't know what they could do, but, like, that would that would be something that could draw me in. Um, and I'm sure somebody will tell me in the comments, so I look forward to that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, back to The Flash. I, yeah, I think he's probably my third favorite as well. Probably CW Show has something to do with that. Justice League as well. But I do like the zaniness zaniness of it i like the humor as well outside of the powers um he's a pretty relatable character he's a lot like mm-hmm. peter parker as we've discussed before uh <laughs> and uh i mean he's more powerful than superman in a lot of ways because like superman other than other than like you know the the reeves movies like he can't turn back time you know so right. like r- really he's probably the most powerful justice league member yeah. <clears throat> and uh yeah, the power set is fun, I think. Like, going through walls and stuff like that. I think that's a lot of fun. And what it, the Speed Force itself is kind of mysterious. And uh, you can kind of, like, have a lot of fun with sci-fi, you know, ideas with the Speed Force and what you can do with that. And uh, he's red and he runs fast. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And with that, <laughs> that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan, our research assistant, for gathering the visuals for the YouTube experience. Let's go on to the fan comments. Uh, Eric Johnson brings up, in reference to you bringing up the Hulk ride, I think, in the last episode of Dan. Oh, yeah. The Hulk ride is still there to this day. That thing is terrifying. Zero to 67 miles an hour. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you described last time. Uh huh. Um, the whole the whole Marvel's Islands of Adventure area in Florida is fascinating as they can't really do major updates or include new characters due to the complicated Disney stuff. So except for one or two mar- modern Marvel items at the gift shop, it's this little time capsule of Marvel Comics circa 1999, and what characters and looks were popular then. That's really interesting. That's you know, awesome. Yeah. I went God when I was like 14 or 15, maybe, mm-hmm. and. Uh yeah, this is way before MCU stuff. It's it's funny. I never thought about them kind of being stuck in time, but that is kind of cool. And yeah, the Hulk, dude, it's out of a cane. <laughs> I don't know how. Like, if if one roller coaster can do that, I guess it's I guess it's a budget thing because they got the budget. Mm. They have more budget maybe than a lot of Six Flags rides, but it just feels like. That should be every roller coaster. Like, I guess there's <laughs> right. something to be said about the suspense of going up that hill and then I going so, down. Yeah. That I I get it, but <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I would like to see this in in more roller coasters where it's just yeah. Like why is there only one? Immediate, just boom, boom, <laughs> boom, shot out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. It's a great roller coaster, dude. I gotta check it out. All right, thank you, Eric. Moving forward, Jim. Unpopular opinion, but Shirley Walker's theme is better than Elfman's just by a hair. Nope. I'd argue it evokes a cool Hitchcock <laughs> suspense vibe that fits the detective aspects as well as the epic superhero aspects of the character. Thank you very much. I remember comment, you shot nope. this down from the S tier in our $10 tier. <laughs> $10 tier uh, meetup when we were ranking the themes. I do. It's just Elfman all the way, man. <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion, of course. I respect it, but you're objectively wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is one thing that I, I think Walker's. What I like about Walker's is there's a feeling of tragedy to it that I don't think I get from 
the other Batman themes in general. Well, like, like, yeah, Elfman's having fun. And the thing is, personally, yeah. I like fun <laughs> more than <laughs> being sad. More uh, than heartbreak and tragedy and loss of parents. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, Batman's dark, and I mean, it's a good theme, but but I don't know. It's always better. It can. Um, I, I think the Elfman one lends itself more to action moments, and the Walker theme yes. lends itself more to like emotional, like pan up to the portrait of Thomas Martha Wayne moments. Pan up to like. You know, he looks at the cow and dons it in the mask of the phantom, like those type of quieter emotional moments and stuff. Not to say that they neither of them work, you know, in vice versa situations, but um, I think certain ones lend itself to, to different ones. But yeah, I mean, in my heart, it's still Elfman's. I think it's it's still Elfman's in my heart, even though Walker's is is up. Yeah, there. Walker's is definitely up there. Yeah, so, for sure. Thank you, Jim. I don't know. I mean. I can. You're definitely not alone in this opinion, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Just, I don't think it's that hot of a take. <laughs> it's not. It's not super hot, but uh, it's just <laughs> Elfman, man. Elfman. Yeah. Demetrius Dillard uh, commented on our Uslan interview, and since we mentioned Uslan in this episode, I thought I would bring this in. Uh, excellent interview. Thank you, Demetrius. Uh, I especially enjoyed seeing the late great Marshall Rogers storyboards and concept art, circa 1979 through 80. Once again. I had already seen them previously on a documentary featurette included on the two-disc Batman Special Edition DVD. I have that one, too. Uh, it would have been exciting, not to mention epic, had Roger storyboarded both of Burton's films. As much as I respect and admire the late Anton first, Rogers' designs for Gotham, as well as its denizens, would have been even more fantastic. Uh, as for Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy portraying the dynamic duo, the less said the better. So it wouldn't have been any better or any worse than Clooney and O'Donnell suiting up in their duds, bat nipples and all, over a decade later. I would say it would have been worse, but that's just me. <laughs> but it's uh, thankfully it that didn't happen. It would have <laughs> destroyed been just this a shit. Total, di- yeah, it would have changed the course of, you know, comic book movies for a while. Uh, yeah. Because at least, like, I'm, the 60s show can, like, be a little time capsule. Just like, oh, it was silly at that time. But, like, once you redo it immediately after, like, that's the next Batman version. Yeah. You, you do damage you can't undo. Right, right, right. But uh, thank you, Demetrius, for this. Yes, thank you. All right, moving on to the shout-outs. Man, we're here already. I can't believe it. All right, we want to thank everybody here, of course. But uh, some of our more recent people include uh, Michael G, Slight Rebellion Off Madison, Meteor P, Christian R, and Michael W. And we want to thank our other supporters as well and everybody here on the board, of course. And uh, we've told you about our friends here up on this here board, and we'd like you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. listening to the Geekscape Network. 